0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel-driven lives. We hope, whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. I'm going to pray for us now as we prepare to listen to the Christmas good news, and then we'll listen to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. So, I want to invite you to pray with me, if you would. Oh, Emmanuel, Lord of might, key of David, king of the nations, we rejoice and are glad on this Christmas Eve, for truly you have come full of grace and truth. Even now, come into our lives. Show us this evening the path of knowledge. Comfort us in our mourning. Save us from our sin. Open wide our way into your presence. Turn our darkness into light. End our sad divisions and be our king of peace. So that every creature in heaven and on earth will join in the chorus of praise and shout with joy to you, our Lord. Amen. Friends, listen now. With open ears to the book that we love, from Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that the entire world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Corinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angel said, Left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary, Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if you know my family, you know that the Ayers family is serious about our participation in Christmas and its preparations during the month of December. We procure our Christmas tree, and it needs to be a tree cut from God's green earth. Not not a plastic thing, but a tree. We procure that baby at like 1201, the day after Thanksgiving and it goes up immediately in our living room. Over the course of the month, we watch all the Christmas movies. We watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, we watch Frosty, uh, we, you know, we, we watch Ralphie shoot his eye out in A Christmas Story December by December. We watch The Grinch steal and then unsteal Christmas from The Who's down in Whoville. We watch Charlie Brown wax eloquent about commercialism we read Charles Dickens' Christmas carol together. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. We watch the Muppets portray that every single year. And we even make time to watch that greatest of all Christmas films, Die Hard. And no. the Ear's house, is not Christmas time until Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi Tower. In the last several years, I've added another little book to our December Repertoire. And it's a it's a retelling of the Christmas story written by the children's author Madeline Leengel. You might know her as the woman who wrote A Wrinkle in Time. She wrote her own version of the story of Christmas. And one of the reasons that I love the book is for its title. She calls the Christmas story the glorious impossible. And I think that that nails it. When we listen to the Christmas story, it sounds glorious on the one hand. And on the other hand, it seems impossible. I'm aware that for some or even many of us, as we hear this story, especially if you're somebody who's not a follower of Jesus or you've been away from all of this for a long time, when you hear the story of Jesus' birth, inwardly you say to yourself, Why, you know, I like all the Christmas, the December stuff, the festivities and the, and the lights and the parties and the eggnog and such. But I don't know, I don't know how people in the 21st century take this story seriously. You hear the story and you say to yourself, "Impossible." You know, I read uh, an article just a bit ago on the website Gawker that, that expressed just this sentiment. The article was titled, Christmas is a Wonderful Secular Holiday, and the article was written by someone who walked away from faith as they, as they grew up, and made the point that he loves this time of year, loves it for the family gatherings, loves it for the, the company-financed holiday parties, loves it for the traditions and the nostalgia and such, but just doesn't think that educated 21st century people really ought to take this story seriously. So if that's you, what I hope you heard in the Christmas story, first of all, is that you're in good company. If you read the story of Jesus' birth in the Christian scriptures, just about everybody who first hears the word from the angelic messenger of the birth of Jesus and what it will mean for the world. First says, impossible. Including the mother of Jesus herself. But what I also hope you hear in this story is this. And we often miss this because of how familiar a story this is and how sentimentalized it is in our own culture. This story is written for us, not as a fairy tale, but as news as reportage of something that has happened in the world. Just listen to the beginning of the Christmas story again. How does it start? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Now, once upon a time, now, during this year of the reign of this particular Roman Empire, under this provision, provincial ruler, Under this census, this child was born. Friends, this is written as as news. In fact, the the best historical scholarship recognizes that these stories were widely circulated within the lifetime of many of the people that are named by name in them. It's as if Luke, who writes this story, is saying to us, I know that this sounds crazy, but you can go and ask these people. The Christmas good news, it, it explodes our mental circuits. But it's given to us as an announcement of what God has done in our world, in history, to change the entire world and everyone in it forever. You see, when you actually give this story a listen, the scriptures don't show us naive Simpletons that are easily hoodwinked. They show us real people who falter between doubt and faith. People just like us. Who find God through this child Jesus bursting the horizons of what they thought possible. One of the greatest poets in the 20th century is a poet and a writer named W.H. Alden. He, during one period in his life, he was British, but moved to the United States, and he fell into a deep personal crisis. He was abandoned by a lover. His mother, to whom he was quite close, died, and out of that dark season in his life, he experienced a profound transformation as he embraced the good news of Jesus, and after he did so, he went on to write the Christmas story as a play set in the contemporary world in a fascinating piece of work called For the Time Being. And near the beginning of it, there's one section which maps out, I think, the staggering dimensions of the claim of Christmas. This is what Alden writes. He says, we who must die demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act? The infinite become a finite fact. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. Friends, this is just what the Christmas good news is. It is God doing the impossible. The story of Christmas is the story of the living God doing the impossible, and it is glorious. As we stand with those unsuspecting shepherds, the ancient equivalent of the second or third shift factory workers, midway through the graveyard hours, they find themselves ambushed by glory, dazzled by the brilliance of God's presence. And that presence bears this good news, to you and to us, is born at the birth of Jesus a Savior for the whole world. The birth of this child is the almighty God of the universe coming into our bodied flesh, entering into our blood and bone, into our laughter and our sweat and our tears, and then eventually our death, to rescue us and reunite us to himself. That is the Christmas good news. I listened recently to an interview that the musician Bono did on NPR he was being interviewed because he's just released a memoir and he's a, he's a world-famous world famous musician as the front man for the band U2. And he also, he also is someone who is a follower of Jesus and he was being asked by the interviewer about what it is about the Christian story that he finds compelling. And he points to this glorious mystery as he responded. This is what he said. He said, if there is a force of love and logic behind the universe, as I think that there is, it is some extraordinary poetic genius that it would express itself, that vast force, in the child born in excrement and straw. That fragility. At a particular place, at a particular time, to a particular people. Friends, what we see as we watch the birth of Jesus unfold, is the glorious poetry of God. That the king of the universe shows us his face, not with fanfare or accolades, but by becoming a helpless migrant child born to two unwed teenagers. We see here the poetry that the God of the universe rescues us from everything that's dark and dead in us and in the world, not in a show of strength, but in a show of weakness. The poetry of God is that Jesus will be born into the world here in a third-rate little town outside respectable society. And as we watch this moment, we see the shadow loom across his life, we see a a foreshadowing of the reality that he would go on to die outside the city of Jerusalem, considered the worst of criminals. Here, the God of the universe would enter into the stuff of human life, naked and helpless, and would be wrapped in strips of cloth. Three decades later, the man that this child would go into would have his clothing stripped from him, and he would die naked, bearing our darkness to bring us into God's light. This, friends, is the glorious poetry of God. So I want to simply close by inviting you to do with this glorious impossible news, the Christmas Gospel, what the very first witnesses of Christmas do as well. First, I want to I want to invite you to seek. We see that in the way that the shepherds respond. After the angels have gone back into God's dimension of reality, after they've gone back into the heavens, I love this moment when we can imagine in significant confusion the shepherds turn to each other and they say, well, I guess we better go check this out. So they run to Bethlehem. We want you to know if you're somebody for whom whom you you come to this place full, full of doubts or you've been away from faith, church for, for some time. If a lot of this seems like impossible craziness to you, we want you to know that this is a place where you can actually do the same thing. Where you can where you can seek out where you can seek out the truth of the Christmas good news. See if it makes sense of your life. Second, I want to invite you to, to join in the singing that we hear. All through the early chapters of the book of Luke, as as Luke narrates for us the story of Jesus' arrival, people are constantly breaking into song. And that's because the good news of God come among us of Jesus, that's news to sing about. We want to invite you to do that and to enter into that right now, this evening. And then last, I'm going to invite you to respond to the mystery of the Christmas gospel with silence as well. One of my favorite lines in the Christmas story is is the one near the end of the reading that we heard together. As the clatter of the shepherds dies down as they're making their way back, we presume, to find the flocks that they left in the hills. We're told that even as everyone else is in stunned amazement at the shepherds, Mary treasures their words and ponders them in her heart. I hope that in the midst of all the, all the gatherings, all the traditions, all the, all the noise, all the tinsel and trappings over the next days that you make room to do some treasuring and pondering in your own depths as well too. W.H. Auden, near the end of For the Time Being, uh, he writes the response of the shepherds after they have been ambushed by the angels. And I love... How he, how he articulates their response. He writes that they turn to one another and say, let us run to learn how to love and run. Let us run to love. Friends, the Christmas good news is that in Jesus, God has done the gloriously impossible. So I pray that you run to that love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son. Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpresnpb.org.